Excited to be with you guys today. We're going to be, if you have a Bible or a Bible on your phone, you can find John 7.37. We're going to begin there and continue our Empowered series. I want to thank you, Heather, for doing a great job today, and thank you, Courtney and worship team. Wow. Uh, If you guys don't know Courtney, if you're new, Courtney uh, mainly leads worship at our Bitterroot uh, congregation, so she's down there at the 9 a.m. service. Uh, not today, she didn't do both, but typically. But it was great to have Courtney here, and uh, great to have good John. Uh, this coming week, I'd love some prayer. There's, there's a few different people going off on trips or teams and serving overseas. Uh, Roger and Carol Hall are going to Africa on Tuesday coming up. Uh, South Africa, we'd love to pray for you guys after the meeting, so just make barge your way up and we'll gather around you and pray for you. I'm going to be leaving uh, with our friend Ray Lowe. He's been in Spokane ministering, and on Thursday we go to Mexico to uh, visit our long-lost friends down there and a number of churches that we've worked with for years, so I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the Yarbros down there and and the churches, the El Camino Church in Guadalajara and Fuente de Vida in Guadalajara, pastored by Oscar Suarez, and some of our uh, longtime friends that we haven't heard from in a while, hoping to reestablish connection in Mexico. So it's just a quick trip uh, for about a week. You can pray for me especially because Sulo isn't with us. I believe I've become Ray Lowe's caretaker, um, which... if. If anyone knows me, I'm not necessarily the nurturing, like, remembering type, so the fact that he's in my care is scary. Um, so, Lord, Lord help. Uh, and then a, another thing I'm looking forward to, we have the Summit Conference, which we've hosted here. We'll be in Helena this year, October 25th through the 27th, with Steve Oliver and others coming, and uh, looking forward to that. You should have gotten an email, but... Be praying about how you could, or if you should be coming uh, to that. What God's doing with us around the world is so exciting in churches in the region that uh, I can't wait to see what God does in us and in and through you guys. And so, uh, really excited about the message today. Uh, Remember to pray for me and Ray as we go and try to sort some things out. Uh, Today, Empowered, part three. John 7, 37, and I'll read through verses uh, 2, verse 44. And I have to say, just, uh, I've got a bit of an introduction after we read this, but this has become one of my most favorite scriptures. This is one that if you just read it quickly, you'd miss some amazing things, and I think God, God wants to Uh, really empower us through his word today. Does that sound good? All right. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will, will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this of the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the Spirit had not been given. Spirit hadn't been given, he said, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
Wow, there's so much there. And here's the response. When they heard the words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to, to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem and the village where David was? So there was a division among them. And I, this is funny. Um, some of them wanted to arrest him, but no, no one laid hands. It's not funny, but it's, look at no one laid hands on him. How many know you can't stop the purposes of God? They, they, were, they were angry, and they actually had very good uh, reason. Uh, one commentator said of this text, Christ's words are often written in red. He said these words should be written in gold. That's, the, that's how important, as we begin, that's how important uh, what Jesus said and what he wound up doing is to us today. And so there's a reason they were extremely angry with Jesus over this. They were uh, celebrating the great, great day of the feast. That feast was the Feast of Tabernacles which the uh, Jewish people would get together, and what they would celebrate was basically, a long story short, was they celebrated God's provision in the wilderness. So when they left Egypt and they were heading to the promised land, uh, they went through all kinds of things in the wilderness, but God provided. He provided manna. He provided a, a pillar of uh, a cloud by, is it a cloud by night and a pillar of fire by day? Uh -huh. Yeah, see, that's why I can't take care of Ray. Um, it's one of those. <laughs> so they would get, some would actually, during this feast, they would go, they would make huts, almost like uh, little camps, and they would sleep outside. They would remember what it was like to be in the wilderness and remember what it was like for God to provide. And so Jesus would have grown up going to this feast, this festival. He knew all about it, and something in him boiled over on this last and great day of the feast where he, he has to, he says he didn't teach, he didn't talk. He cried out, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. And what, the, what he's getting at, what the priests would do, I read where they, there was a, a channel at the Pool of Siloam and water would run out uh, towards the temple, they would also take golden pitchers. I think I have a right there. They take these golden pitchers and get the water, and take it. Uh, this is like preview to the Tabernacle of Moses, Bruce, getting into pictures and types. But uh, they'd take the water and take it to the temple and pour it out, and everyone would remember how God poured. Remember Moses struck the rock in Exodus, and water flowed from the rock. And they would celebrate that God waters his thirsty people. And that's the moment when Jesus, imagine, imagine this, this, the crowd's gathered around and they're, they're doing the water, but this guy Jesus stands up. And you can imagine how prophetic and powerful that would be and also how angry it would make them. He's getting right at the heart of their, what, what, was a God move, had become form and function and a religious exercise. And he said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of their bellies will flow rivers of living water. Is anyone with me today? So as they would go, they would get the water and they would actually sing Isaiah 12, with joy we draw waters from the well 
of salvation. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I'm the well. I'm the water. I'm the one that... And so Christianity is a... There's a lot of things that we... There's things we learn. We want social justice. We want to be good moral people. But the one thing that sets us apart and that we want to grab onto today as we look at this text is we have God with us. We can have God, we can have direct, what he's saying, you can have direct experience with God. Because religion won't cut it and rules won't cut it and going through the motions won't cut it. You can have rivers of life flowing out of you. The God stuff, that's what, that's what this series is about, right? That's what we want today. Charles Spurgeon, he was a Baptist minister uh, he put it like this, and it, this is something we can, I think, attain to or go after. He said, some of us know uh, what it is to be happy to live. The love of God has been so overpowering on occasion that we ask God to stop the delight, for we could endure no more. If God had not veiled his glory, we would have died of joy. They had experienced God, a God move where God came and moved in his church. And he said, we know what it is to know the joy of God. And he said, there's times we had to say, God, stop. Okay, I've, I've had enough. I read that and go, is this a different religion? Right? Like, where's that in my life? And I, I actually, I can say... Uh, there are times where I've been so filled with God to overflowing and laugh and cry and be healed. And, and this is what Jesus is saying as he's standing there on this last great day of the feast, hollering out, come to me and drink. And he spoke of the spirit which had not yet been given. There's three, three things I want to look at about this, the spirit. I want to talk about how it was uh, arranged, how it basically came to us, how it's apprehended, how we apprehend it, and then uh, what are the effects of the Spirit? Those three things from the text, if you're with me, say, yeah. Okay, number one, arranged. How did the Spirit um, come? The Holy Spirit in the New Testament is basically the same as the presence of God in the old. There was the, the presence of God, and as I read this story, I thought it was interesting. Jesus said, well, uh, the Spirit hasn't yet been given. That's curious, isn't it? Because I thought of someone like Gideon where this power of God came on Gideon or this presence of God came upon David or on a guy called Samson, you know, bursting out of his shirt and fighting Philistines and, you know, tearing down the, the gate, you know, these pillars in the uh, in the building because the, the power of God came on him. And that sounds an awful lot like the presence or the power of God coming. David said in Psalms 51 in the, his great prayer, he said, cast me not from your presence, take not your Holy Spirit from me. That word presence is the Hebrew word uh, panim and it means face. It means face it's personal it's the and it's why when we talk about the holy spirit um the holy spirit isn't like a gas it's not like 
Because you would say, well, God's everywhere. Why would the Spirit be given? Because we believe God's everywhere. Well, he's not like a gas that just kind of floats around, is he? He's a person. And so it's intensely personal and practical when he says, take not your presence. I want your presence with me. I, I don't want to lose that, the face. I don't want to lose the relationship. I don't want to lose this connection I have with God. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, how are we going to go? I, I don't want to go from here. Don't send me from here if I don't have your presence, your face. Right? And so it seems like as if to me through the Old Testament, God's presence would come on priests and kings and prophets and actually special people. The power of God did come upon them and they did great things for God. But it was very select, wasn't it? It, it wasn't everyone. It wasn't poured out. And so it's almost a figure of speech for Jesus to say uh, this Holy Spirit had not yet been given. Because we just shared a few examples where it was, right? The Spirit was given. But it's almost like, say, it's, I, th I think he's saying this. I think he's saying, yeah, my presence has been around. Yes, it was veiled in the temple. Yes, it was in the ark. Only a few people can go in but you haven't seen anything yet. In fact, when the Spirit is going to be poured out, it's going to be as if that wasn't even like the Holy Spirit was available. There's going to be so much of the Holy Spirit available, uh, you could say it was not yet given. Hmm. So God's face, his presence, we, that's what we're going for. Jesus said, I'm coming and, uh, so you can have my presence so you can and and there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God you could say you know a person uh, but until you uh, talk to them and get to know them and get around them right you, you don't really and so I think there's varying degrees of knowing the Holy Spirit and I have to say we want all of the Holy Spirit we can get a few scriptures, John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. Isn't that amazing? God dwelled with us, and we saw it through Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.6 goes on, um, and it says, it's not on the screen, we'll just read it. Let his light shine out of darkness, he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So to have the Holy Spirit is to be intimate and to know God. But how did he get it to us? Right? We want to know that, right? And how many would say, I want more of God in my life? I want the more, the more of the presence of God. Well, there's um, one, one main way it came and was arranged uh, and that was because Jesus died. Because he said the Spirit wasn't given because Jesus was not yet glorified. That's what we read in John 7. And John later says about Jesus going to the cross, he said, now I go to be glorified. So what he's saying is in order for the Spirit to come, I have to die. So that's how, that's how he began to arrange this whole process of the, of the Holy Spirit coming so we could have him in our lives in a powerful way. Let's go a little further. So that's kind of how it's arranged. 
how do we apprehend it? So you want more, right? We want to get a hold of that. And it's important to know why he preached at this feast and, and what he was referring to and, and really what's behind the water coming from the rock. And that's Exodus 17 where they would, they would get the water and they'd take it to the temple and they're reenacting how Moses came down with a staff to strike the rock and water came out. Well, what happened then? We're not going to turn to Exodus. You can look back at it later. Uh, the people were mad at God because they were in the wilderness. And so they got, they got mad at God, and that happens in our life when things happen or we go through trials, right? We, God, you, how could you do this? Or I deserve more than this, and I've served you faithfully, and I've done everything I should. And then that anger went from God, and it went to Moses, right? Because if you can't get at God, you've got to get to somebody. So they want to kill me. You let us, you did this to me. And so the, the people are rebellious. They're angry. They want to go back to Egypt. God's there, and he's not pleased. And he says, okay, Moses, I've got a solution. Get the people and get yourself, and you're going to go to the rock. So there's two groups that potentially God could be upset with. God said, get the elders. They're going to stand around like witnesses, and you're going to get a rod, which rep represents judgment, right? A staff of discipline, and he's, God said this, and I'd never seen this before. God said, I will stand on the rock, and I want you to strike it. And when you strike it, water is going to flow from the rock. That's kind of crazy. And what's going on, it's, it's basically a picture and a type of this divine trial that's happening. See, someone needs to be judged for their sin. You have Moses who, who's in trouble. You've got the people who've been rebellious, but God said, don't strike them. I want you to strike the rock, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on top of it. Now, rhetorical question, can, can you hurt God? Can you strike God? No. But he, what he's saying is someone needs to be struck for the water to flow. And it, Jesus, our rock, the rock of our salvation, had to take the blow. What God's saying is someone has to take the blow of sin and death. Someone has to take uh, the, the punishment of our peace was upon him. And so even though you can't strike God in that sense, he said there's going to come a time where uh, my son will be struck. And because of that striking, water's going to flow from the rock. Come on, somebody. And so what Jesus is saying, think of this sermon he does in like one line as he's standing at their feast and festival and they're going through all their busy motions. He's saying, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. And later John said he spoke of the spirit which we hadn't gotten yet because he hadn't died. But because he died, we can apprehend the Holy Spirit, we can get everything he has and that living water that came out of him is now in us. So when you believe that he took the punishment for your sin and he was the one who was struck for everything you did, hey, step A, you're on your way to, to receiving the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's totally available, it's accessible, it's for us today, but we have to believe that Jesus is the one who took the punishment for our sin.
Galatians 3.2, Paul asked a question to the Galatians. He said, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Spirit through works of the law? Or because you believed in faith? You didn't get it by going through the motions and trying real hard and being up at the altar and praying so hard. You got it through faith and believing in Christ. Sometimes we put pressure on people to receive the Spirit of do this and do that and pray this way. No, believe in Christ. Come to him with belief in faith, not through your works. That's how we apprehend the Spirit. It's not because you're more mature than another believer. It's not because you work really hard uh, doing acts of service to the poor. It's because you believe in Jesus and he's, you're his son or daughter. And so when Jesus is standing there, if anyone's thirsty, there's the, the prerequisite, right? If anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. Come to see a, a th- what's great about a thirsty person. They're willing to admit they have an, there's an absence of something in their life. Not that they're, I have this or I have this or uh, I'm great. When you're thirsty, you're, you're saying, God, there's an absence. I need something in my life. And there's, so believe in Jesus and be thirsty. That's how you get the Spirit. That's how you're filled with the Spirit of saying, God, I, I'm tired of being filled up on the things of the world. I need you in my life. Revelation twenty-two seventeen, 17, right at the end of the Bible, uh, says the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears come. Let the one who's thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Jesus said some really rough things to the Pharisees. He said, the prostitutes and sinners get in before you. Boom. Why? Because they're thirsty. They're desperate. They're they're at the end of the rope. You guys are coming so full of your knowledge and your rituals and everything that you've got buttoned up, but they're getting in ahead of you. Why? They're thirsty. Come to me and drink. So Jesus made his spirit available through his death, through being glorified. And was, it, was his spirit evident in the Old Testament? Yes. But the prophet Joel, we'll we'll get to the last thing here in a second. The prophet Joel prophesied, man, there's gonna come a day, right? When I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's the difference, all flesh. Your sons and daughters, it's, it's not gonna be just the priests. It's not gonna be just the judges or these great kings or these prophets that bring a word. I want my spirit, I want my face I want it right. I want to be with all flesh. And Jesus Christ made the way for that to happen through his death. I'm going to pour it in all flesh. And Peter in Acts 2 stands up with the same message. And he's saying, guys, it's here. What was prophesied by the prophet Joel? It's here. Let's go. And guys, that's why the church turned the world upside down, as it was said in Acts. These guys who were fearful and cowardly, and ran away from the crucifixion. All of a sudden, they're bold, and they're preaching, and they're taking the message to the, to the ends of the earth. Doubting Thomas. How many remember that guy? How do you like to be nicknamed the Doubting Thomas? Right? 
That's, that's unfortunate. Be like faithless Fred. <laughs> Let's try, Rudy, you're quick. I'm going to try some more. How about, um, I don't have any yet. <laughs> I try to shoot from the hip, but... Um, The Holy Spirit's reminding me to get back to the, how it's arranged, right? God arranged this all through, all through the Bible. Jesus, this is why the message boiled out of him at this last great day. Imagine him standing there and growing up watching this ritual and he, it finally comes out. Come to me and drink. How it's apprehended. We believe and we're thirsty. And finally, what are the effects of the Spirit? Because all this can be pictures and types and stories and Old Testament and New and Hebrew words can uh, be confusing. I want to make this intensely practical as we think about when Jesus said, come to me and drink and out of you will flow rivers of living water. What, is, what does water do? rejuvenates, it renews, it refreshes, it, it revives. Man, my son and I uh, went camping Friday night and came hiking out, riding out six miles and I hadn't had much water and I was almost rude coming home because there's one thing I wanted to get to and it wasn't a glass, it was the sink. <laughs> How many of you guys feel me on that? I'm so thirsty. And it, it rejuvenates. It, it, you get water. And all, water is, you know, most of us probably don't drink enough water. We, we, water gives us life. And so he's making the spirit. Uh, uh, there's this type of water. And he's saying, man, you need this water. You need this hope in your life. Like in Romans 5, 5, it says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Spirit who's been, it's been given to us. What the Holy Spirit does is it takes ideas and concepts and it makes them a living reality. Ideas and concepts about God, and he says, no, this is for life. I want to make this alive in you. I want it to just change your life. I don't want you to come to church day in and day out and be stuck in the same rut. I want you to come alive for you and for others. Because remember, the Spirit's in you for you, but it comes upon you for other people. Right? When you have the power of God, it comes on you, and, and you've got to think, wow, it's not just so I can feel good and feel better and, and have an amazing time of worship and lift my hands. He's filling us so we can be a world-changing crew that goes out and blesses other people. But we can't do that if we're not healthy and whole and secure in who we are. So the whole, here's a few things. Uh, the Holy Spirit, if you're ever overwhelmed by rejection, the Holy Spirit teaches you who you are in Christ. When someone hurt or abused you, the Holy Spirit can heal your hurts, and make you someone that loves, right? The Holy Spirit can uh, cause you not to, I'm saying this backwards, but to cause you not to want to fish for affirmation all the time. 
If you're the kind of person, well, I need to be affirmed and I need someone to show me how good I am and maybe you're short with people because they didn't show you in the way that you wish they would or you need. The Holy Spirit helps you with that and lifts your head and lifts your heart. The Holy Spirit makes you a person that can take criticism. Big amen there. Wow. The Holy Spirit makes you totally secure. The Holy Spirit takes away fear, right? You're not afraid anymore of tomorrow or today or that meeting or what they're gonna say or that voicemail or what they said or what they did to you. You can live a life free from fear because of the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit, uh, I know we, we're gonna talk about gifts and other things in the series. Uh, and two things, the Holy Spirit gives us power right? How many, how many is like that? Come on, Revive Church. The Holy Spirit gives you power, gives you healing and words of knowledge and gifts and all these great things. But I think it, that can be made the focus when we, we need to know the Holy Spirit gives you integrity. It gives you a grounding and it gives you a, a platform and it, uh, so many, side notes, so many you read about great power evangelists or people that were used by the Holy Spirit, times can get off. And, and they're living a life of power without integrity. But I, I don't think it's either or. Can I hear an amen? So it gives us great power, but it also gives us an integrity and, and these morals and, and God's laws that we have, it causes us to walk them out in life and free. In our text, John 7, 37 to 39, what direction did the, did the river flow? Out. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. Out. He wants to flow out of us. Maybe, maybe as we talk about the church talks about revival a lot, and I love that. But you can only be revived if you were first vived. <laughs> right? You can only have... Re oh, come on, I'm coming after you. You can only have revival if you've been vived the first time. How did, how did Jesus raise Lazarus back from the dead? It's because he died and he was alive before. Right? He didn't make Lazarus for the first, Lazarus, hi, I'm your brother. You know, just how to, he, was, he was alive, then he died, and then he's alive again. So there's some of us in the room that have, God has vived you. And you know what I mean, you, you experience God. But maybe you need to be revived. So when God comes to his church and brings revival, he's saying, guys, there's a, a day and a time where where you were vived, but you've lost that life. You've lost that vitality. You've lost that intensity and that, that power of God. For s Somehow the Holy Spirit became a, uh, something of the past, and I want to send it to you today so out of you can flow rivers of living water. If you've never experienced that, see, if you've never had that, see, it, we don't want formality or religion. We want reality and life. 
right? We want the presence of God. He said, out of you will flow. If anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. And I think today is about being revived and saying, God, would you refresh our thirsty souls? If, if there's places in your life where you say, man, you read through that list and there's things you touched on. It's not to condemn you, it's to encourage you today and say, lift your head and lift your heart. The Holy Spirit's here and totally available. It affects us, right? It affects each part of our life. And he said, out of, out of you will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit's not a gas like floating around. He's a person. It's the face and, the, and Courtney and the team, you guys can... Uh, come, I'd like to close with a song and then we'll have a, a prayer time. So I gave you some practicals. Here's a challenge. Are you the kind of person, are, are you a drain to others? Are you like a river? Are you like a fountain? I mean it in the nicest way. <laughs> right? If, if, if we haven't lived with the Holy Spirit in our life and we're trying to live on our own power, our own authority, our own gifting, our own charisma, you'll become a drain. You'll be a discourager instead of an encourager, but Jesus wants us. Today, as we looked at the story, this radical moment where he got everybody's attention, they wanted to lay hands on him, but couldn't. There's a reason he made him really angry because he's saying, guys, we've got a whole new way of doing things and the Spirit's coming. But here's what's interesting. After he preached his two-line message, if anyone would have come up and said, I'm thirsty, you know, fill me up, you would have heard Jesus say words that I don't think you ever, hardly ever hear him say. He would have said, wait. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet been given because he hadn't been glorified. So if there would have been a massive altar call and everyone ran to the front, well, fill me. He would have said, wait. That time's yet to come. But after Pentecost, Acts 2, the Holy Spirit poured out in the upper room and they rushed into the streets. It went out. Do you see that? It, it always goes out. You know how you can know a real move of God is when it goes out of you and it starts affecting other people and it affects our city and affects our ministries and it affects the workplace. They went out and after Pentecost, there's no more waiting. God's spirit is available and it's here. And so if you were to say today, I need God, I need his spirit, I need his presence, he'd say, come. If anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink.